You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, 19 years. 19 years since 9-11. Can you believe it? I know it seems, um, I think I sent a text to our sibling group today because we do have more siblings than just the two of us. Sometimes it seems like just a year ago and other times it seems like a surreal thing, like it never really happened so long ago that it wasn't even in our memory because it was such a really, to use that word again, a surreal day. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a surreal day, but... I guess it's been a surreal 19 years. To me, today doesn't even feel like the same country as it was in 2001. Am I too, what, pessimistic about that? Well, I mean, I think it's a great point because 9-11 changed a lot of things about the United States, and some said it was, you know, the loss of our innocence. I don't know if that's true, but at least we were attacked on our own shores. Um, Some of the partisanship that we see today was evident early on in the Bush presidency. So if you remember, he wouldn't believe anything the Clinton people were telling him about national security. I I don't know if you remember reading Richard Clark's book back in the day. And so, you know, they said all the signs were blinking, but they weren't listening to them. And um, the red lights were blinking, whatever the expression was. And it was a little anti-Clinton or we know better than these guys. So there was a lot of that stuff leading up to that day. But the thing that I couldn't get over today, juxtaposing that moment to the moment we're in now, after the Woodward uh, disclosures, is it did feel that Bush, whatever you thought of him leading up to it, and the poor hapless look on his face when they were whispering in his ear what happened, he did marshal the resources of the federal government, and we all got on board with protecting the United States in the wake of 9-11. Well, you know, that's the point maybe that strikes at me the most. We all got on board, and I remember that. I think that really did happen. I don't think we're just trying to remember a better time. But we all got on board then. And today, we can't agree on wearing masks. Exactly. I mean, what's such a, what I thought about when I was thinking about this this morning is, remember how quickly we changed our flying behavior, like overnight. That we yep. all accepted, T- um, I was going to call it TSA, <laughs> that's for some old people who travel a lot like I did, um, but, um, oh no, pre, what, what is that, pre-TSA? Pre- I can't remember. Pre-check, pre-check. Pre-check, right? so I haven't yeah. traveled in so long, I can't remember the term, but we all accepted yeah. that we had to go through the metal detectors, and then that started, then we had to take our shoes off. I think we were going to have to take our underwear off because of the underwear bomber. I mean, yeah. things happened, and we reacted very, very quickly. And I think 
because we saw this collective need to protect each other, ourselves individually and each other. And that well, came from the federal government. It did. And, and the point you're making here, or the illustration is, is perfect, because I remember being in an airport in one of those lines that stretched on forever. And I, I'm going to be cynical here for a minute. Remember when TSA would have like one or two people checking your bags going through and six of them standing over there talking uh, <laughs> to each other. And, you know, we, we went through all sorts of things. You couldn't have a bottle of shampoo bigger than three and a half ounces, something like that. You know, I always wondered, you were allowed to have two bottles, three and a half ounces. So presumably you could figure out something to do with the two of them if you put it together. We took our shoes off. All those things went on. But I vividly remember being in that line and somebody behind me saying, well, I know it's a long time, but it's okay because it's keeping us all, all safe. Where is that woman today? Maybe she's on the right side of it. Uh, but somebody like her is saying, you're not going to take my freedom away and make me wear a mask. And we know that that's a true feeling because what a quarter of a million people, am I wrong on the number jammed into Sturgis for a motorcycle rally. rally. Maybe I've got the number all wrong, but it, I mean, the spread they now think made it the biggest super spreader event ever, which is amazing to me that the biggest super spreader event wasn't run by Donald Trump, but, that is it. It may be said so something has gone wrong and maybe you're exactly on it. It's a lack of national leadership, a lack of pulling us together. And I remember you and I pulled together like everybody else with the country behind a president. We didn't think very much of, but we got behind him. We didn't vote for him. I didn't support him. And, and the fallout of 9-11, a lot of the other things that happened to result of that, whether that was the torture, the Iraq war, all of those results, how they took advantage kind of 9-11 to institute other policy goals. I didn't agree with that, but I did agree. And I think we did, you know, I, I never heard anybody objecting to the, um, not just to the airports, but other places, this whole change we had in mentality of keep yourself safe, see something, say something. And I never heard anyone say we should not have done that. Now there were excesses. And I remember one time I was flying with our mom and she randomly got pulled out of the line, you know, to be like double checked. And I thought, oh no, they're going to pat her down. And she loved that. She thought oh, it was awesome. Yeah, I'm like, really? You're taking this old lady? Well, have at it. But she was like, they picked me. <laughs> oh, I'm so special. That, that would have been my. You're right. We never heard that. But let me tell you some other things we never, never heard. We never heard a president of the United States stand up and say that whole 9-11 thing, it was a hoax. It's, it's all a hoax. And we've heard this president say that. We Can never you imagine, heard John? Can yeah. you imagine George Bush, Bush saying, 
okay, whatever, those buildings fall down and a few, th through, few thousand people die, but I'm not going to affect your ability to travel. We all have the right to travel without having to take our shoes off. So therefore, if there's, you know, what, what will come will come. It is what it is. Yeah, and no president of the United States or members of his administration ever stood up and said, I know those buildings fell down, but there were people in those buildings who had serious diseases. We should not be counting them as having died in the World Trade Center falling down. What if they had diabetes? What if they had something else? You know, all the lunacy that he said, all of the lunacy of, oh, I didn't want to upset everybody. What would he have done at the time? Shut down the media and told people, listen, it's all fake news. Uh, the buildings fell down. It's not as bad as you think. We lost, I don't know, 15 people. Maybe it's not not that many. I, I mean, this is all crazy talk, but what he's been saying is crazy talk. And the reason we have to keep going back to that is the result of it is what you said earlier. A country that cannot come together to do the basic things it needs to do to end the scourge of this pandemic. It's true. And, you know, think about this is another, like again, a juxtaposition, but you remember after 9-11 and then the economy was very badly hurt by that. The airline industry in particular, people were afraid to fly as they should have been in the same way that they're afraid to fly now. So the, you know, whatever was taken, measures were taken and then people got back to flying. But one of the things that Bush said, I don't know if you remember this, is like people need to shop. And he, his point go was, go shopping. Yeah. It's like help the economy. And so look at that now where Trump said, well, you know, go back to school and, you know, go to Sturgis, whatever. But it's not the same thing because there are risks of going into the public square in the way there weren't after 9-11 because we had clamped down so much on the thing that we were afraid of. But we have not done anything to mitigate against the thing we're afraid of now, which is the coronavirus. You're exactly right. It It is a failure of leadership. I also think it is a failure of character. It's a failure of values. And I'm going to mention somebody. This is not directly related to the politics or the policy of it. But it's a reminder of the difference of human beings comparing to people like William Barr, the uh, Alex Azar, uh, Chad Wolf. I mean, go through the list of awful people involved. Here's the comparison I want to give you. I don't know if you know who is listed as victim number one on 9-11. I'll tell you, it's Father Michael Judge. He was a Franciscan priest. He was the chaplain of the New York Fire Department. And so when the alarms went off, and Michael was, was somewhat older, he's maybe 60, when the alarms went off, he went right there. And he was there ministering to people, taking care of them. The towers were still standing. And somebody told him, Father, there's people down already in the lobby of whichever tower it was. And he said, okay, I'm going in. I'm going to give last rites and here." Uh, confession and everything. People said, no, 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 Father, don't do it. These buildings are dangerous. 
but he went in anyway. The other tower fell and the debris and everything killed him. And you would have seen at some point the picture of firemen in tears carrying out a body on a tarp. And it's Father Michael Judge. Michael Judge had had an entire lifetime of standing up for what he believed in. Michael was gay himself. He was not very public about that. This is a long time ago. You couldn't be. Michael took care of AIDS victims at a point when uh, hospital workers wouldn't even go in the room with the meals. They used to push the meals in. Michael went in and he massaged the feet. When that TWA plane crashed right off of New York City, Michael went and he stood at the side of the water and ministered to the to the families. This was victim number one. This is who he is. He wasn't a loser. He wasn't a sucker. And he didn't get anything out of any of those things. He was there to serve. And when we look to our leadership today, that's what we don't have, is somebody who understands a life of service. Hmm. That's a great story, actually. And I was thinking about that when you were telling that story, how many um, awesome stories that were told after 9-11, you know, this person died and this person died. Remember, they had those, you know, signs up all over New York, like still missing. I mean, the loss was just incalculable. And that was 3,000 people. We lose three times that many people every single day, right? Yep. Are we losing? No, a thousand people a day. A thousand week. people a day. Every yeah, three every, days. Twice every, a week. Twice a week, we lose that many people to the coronavirus. As many stories, you know, stories like you just told of people who served other people. It's really very difficult to kind of wrap your brain around the callousness of the response of our national leaders about the the plague and how it's affected us. I don't know. The, to somehow today just really brought the whole thing back to me. And then hearing Trump's voice in when was it end of January, beginning of February, being like, yeah, it's really bad and it's airborne. But, you know, whatever, I don't I don't want to make a big deal of it. No. And I, I'll tell you, as I heard that and was thinking about it today, all I could hear was him saying, I'm making this up, I know, but him saying, oh, yeah, they're flying planes towards the towers. Oh, this could be really, really bad. But, I mean, that's New York City. It's right near Wall Street. I don't want to upset the market. So let's kind of downplay it. That's the same thing. He knew there was a threat coming against the United States, and he chose to do nothing. Right. And it's it's been it's been a little hard to listen to the uh, the memorial. And you know, it's interesting because you say, "Is this country different?" And one thing that's different is Trump was not in New York. Pence was there. Yeah. But he did not go to memorialize that. And think about next year when it's the 20th anniversary. Can you imagine if Trump is still president, how you memorialize yeah, that? I can. I and I, I actually, you know, 
I hate the idea of ending a show on an optimistic note, but uh, I, I actually am. What I've been thinking about is next year, 20th anniversary, Joe Biden is president. Uh, I don't know that we have a vaccine. I don't know that we've stopped things, but we have unified the country. We're doing the things we can to run our life again, to try and address our sins of racism. So, you know, maybe I dream that on the 20th anniversary, things can be different. Yep, and as it should be, George Bush will be there. Absolutely, it'd yep. be wonderful. As of course he will, they all will. All <laughs> right, well, with that positive dream. Have a good weekend, bye. Yeah, you too. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.